2 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll just be looking at the first seven verses of chapter 2 tonight because I want to try and end, uh, I want to make this a little bit of a shorter study time tonight. Try to keep it down to an hour and a half. A little shorter time because I want us to have a little time of prayer and worship at the end of our service tonight. And so I'm going to try and um, go through our study, keep it a little bit abbreviated, and then I want us to have some time in prayer and just uh, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us tonight. Just have something in mind, and we'll wait on the Lord and see what see what He has for us. But let's look at first, or excuse me, Second Timothy chapter two, and we finished up uh, last week on chapter one, and uh, tonight's message. And we'll look again, these first seven verses, the title of tonight's message, Getting the Picture. Paul's going to give us four different uh, pictures uh, in terms of what the Christian walk looks like. And he often does this in the Word. He, uh, Instead of just telling it straight, he'll, straight at us, he'll give you this analogy. It's kind of like, you know, and, and we're going to look at four different pictures tonight. He'll talk about a steward. He'll talk about a soldier. He'll talk about an athlete. He'll talk about a farmer. And as we look in, into these anointed, and this is not just his words, but really the word of God. So God giving us a picture of what he has in mind for us in this Christian walk. And he uses a number of analogies, so we'll look at some of those tonight. But let's look together here at verse 1. You therefore, my son, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Before we look at the, at the four different pictures, let's just think on that statement right there. My son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We know that grace isn't something that we have in ourselves. Grace is that unmerited favor of God. Grace is that free gift, something that God has given us. Yet the Apostle Paul often uses this kind of language. Hey, be strong in the grace of God. Almost seems like a contradiction. God's grace, that's all I need is the grace of God. Why are you telling me to be be strong in the grace? Well, there is this co-laboring with God's grace. The Bible talks about God's grace. Uh, you know, if, if you don't give place to that grace of God, it can be in vain. It's not an automatic. The grace of God does not automatically um, cause us to fulfill a Christian walk. It's something that we have to yield and cooperate with. And it's, you see both of these things in Scripture. There's nothing that you can do to earn God's favor or merit His, His love. But at the same time, the grace, which is freely given, does require a certain response from our heart. So these things are often balanced in the Scriptures. The sovereignty of God, the wonderful giving mercy of God, and yet the responsibility of man, that which God looks for in the heart of man, faith and responsible uh, responding, if you will, to His grace. And there's a verse that kind of really puts it into focus. I'll, you don't need to turn to it. I'll read it to you. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, Paul said this, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You kind of hear that, that tension between those, those two principles. I am what I am by the grace of God. 
I have nothing to do with the good things that God has done in my life. It's by His grace and grace alone. But His grace didn't come to me in vain because I labored. I worked with the, I, I labored in the grace of God. I, I endeavored to make sure that that grace of God was fruitful in my life. So there's that, that balance. Yet, yet it wasn't I. It was the grace of God working in me. So you hear Paul, even in describing that one verse, you see both of those thoughts there. You can't do anything to earn God's grace. But when the grace of God is imparted to you, we have a responsibility to yield to it, to cooperate with it, to labor in it. Be strong in the grace of God. And that's something now that Paul will begin to elaborate on back to Second uh, Timothy 2. And he'll begin to talk about the various pictures that we mentioned. First of all, he gives the picture of a steward. Verse 2, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to excuse me, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Stewardship. Stewardship is the idea of something has been entrusted to you. Something has been given to your care. And Paul is saying these words that have been given to you, first of all, you need to value them in your own heart. That's the first step in stewardship is that you value God's Word. God's Word is something that you consider to be a treasure. You yourself study it. You yourself implant it into your heart. And then second, the second part of being a good steward is then passing it on to others, depositing that good Word in other faithful men who will be able to teach others. And that's the way the kingdom of God works and grows. It comes through the teaching of His Word. It comes into your heart. You treasure it. It has a work in your heart. You allow the Holy Spirit to to bring it to life in you. And then you share it with someone else. And the kingdom of God grows and spreads. Like the Bible says, like a little leaven that's put into the loaf. It eventually leavens the whole loaf. And so it is the kingdom of God. And this is the primary way in which God's kingdom expands. It's through the Word of God. The truth of God's Word, that's how you got saved. How can they be saved unless they hear, right? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. God's truth impacts our hearts. And the way the kingdom spreads is after it's been treasured in our life, we entrust it to others. Paul, of course, is talking to Timothy. He's a pastor. And so he's even a a deeper responsibility. We all have the responsibility as Christians to, to share our faith and to freely you have received. Now, freely give. But for pastors, we have a special responsibility to teach the Word, and not only that, but to look for other men that would be faithful to teach it, and we would also teach them to teach others. So Paul is giving this instruction to Timothy because he's pastoring there in in Ephesus, and he's giving him this encouragement. Find other men, Timothy. Look for others that you can commit this same treasure to. We don't have time to turn to it tonight, but for your notes, Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 10. It talks about this wonderful treasure that we have in the Word of God and how we are to treasure it in our own hearts. And as a faithful steward would not only guard it in my own heart, but commit it to other men that, both, that are both faithful and men that are gifted and equipped by God to teach. Not everyone is called to be a teacher. We are all, we are all been gifted to share the love of Christ and share our testimony, but some are called out to actually teach. And we want to try as a church... You know, that's one of our responsibilities and is trying to identify others that have been gifted to teach. We train them and teach them, give them the word, 
and then they can teach others. And the kingdom of God perpetuates from generation to generation. The second picture that I want you to consider tonight is that of a soldier. Look at verse 3 and 4. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Paul says that the Christian walk, Timothy, can be likened to that of being a soldier. That's pretty relevant to us today. We are a country that have soldiers at various parts of the world. Some of you may know someone or may know a family, a friend that has family there. And you hear of the hardships of war. And I think that's what Paul is saying here. And we, we looked at this even last week, you know, when, when Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, join with me in the sufferings for the gospel. And we said that one of the things that we have to be ready to embrace as part of being a Christian is we have to be prepared to endure hardship. It's walking the Christian life in our generation is not necessarily the, the easy road. Didn't Jesus say that? Didn't Jesus say that, that there's a way that's broad and wide, and there's also a way that's narrow, hard to find? The broad highway leads to what? Destruction. The narrow road leads to life. So the Christian life is that narrow road. And Paul is saying, Timothy, just like a soldier, has, once they enlist, they know what they're going to. They know that they're going to be suffering hardship. You be prepared for that. Christian walk will sometimes require that, especially a life in ministry. We have um, a friend of our family, he's a young man that went to uh, high school with my daughter. His name is Mike, and he's he enlisted in the Marines immediately following high school. He's been in the Marines now for, I guess this is his third year, second, third year, the presidential duty. And he's there, Washington, D.C., Camp David, and they have responsibility to protect the president, Congress, and those national interests that we have there. and that So he hasn't actually seen any action, but he comes over from time to time and visits with us when he has he's back in town. And, you know, we just touch base with him. So how's it going? Well, you know, it's going pretty good, but it's, it's tough, you know. And I said, well, you know, some of them are crippled, some of them are maimed, some of them have, you know, been, been wounded severely. And, you know, it's something he doesn't even really like to talk about. There, it, it's a real difficult thing. Some of these guys that were, became his buddies during this time of training, they've gone to Iraq, and some, some of them have already been killed. He said, in fact, many of them have had already something tragic that's happened. So this whole idea of suffering hardship as a soldier, it's not that hard for us to understand the picture that Paul is saying. It's warfare. The Christian life, we are engaged. It, it's, there is spiritual warfare. It's not the only place that Paul talks about Warfare. It's not the only place that he talks about, you know, being like a soldier. In Ephesians chapter 6, you don't need to turn, I'll read it to you. You know this, it's a pretty famous passage talking about putting on the armor of God. He says in 6 verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes, the plans of the, of the devil. There is a sense of war. There is a sense of being prepared for war. Spiritual life is wonderful as the Christian life and the joys and the peace and the fellowship that we have. 
there is, make no mistake about it, there is a kingdom warfare at stake. Forces of darkness and the forces of light that are battling in the spirit world, things that we can't all see in the natural, and yet these things are real. And Paul encourages Timothy, don't forget, Timothy, we're at war. Be prepared as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Be prepared to endure those things that that come with war. I've shared with you in the past some of our mission trips to India and some of the hardship that some of these gentlemen endure for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of ministry. Just getting somewhere over there, and I've told you some of the stories. We won't go through all of it again, but just just getting to the place where you're supposed to share the word is a real endurance test. Just getting across town, something that you and I, you know, just coming up from my house to Monrovia is just, you know, I don't know, 20 miles. In India, that would be a, could be a, probably a three-hour journey, and it would just be, you know hard journey all the way. And they go much farther than that to share the gospel. There's a pastor there, Pastor Prushotam. He pastors a church down in a a, a city called Mysore. His wife works and he lives his home and wife and daughter in the city of Bangalore. This is about a six-hour bus ride and too expensive for him to commute back and forth. So he lives down by the church and pastors the work and comes home every other weekend to visit his wife and daughter. They stay in Bangalore because she has a job. And in India, having a job is a real commodity. So she works in Bangalore and supports her husband and his two assistant pastors in the ministry. That's suffering hardship for the sake of the gospel. That's, That's real difficult living for the sake of ministry. And yet he does it because God's called him to do it. He does it because he's a soldier for Christ. He does it because his eye is on the one who has enlisted him. He's looking to please Jesus, not man, not himself, but the one who has called him. And that's what Paul continues to say there. You see that in that, that you do not entangle yourself in the affairs of life, but rather that you would please him who enlisted him as a soldier. This entangling in the affairs of this life. And I think that's, that's another mark of a soldier. One, the sol- a soldier will endure hardship. Another thing is that the, a soldier is somewhat disconnected from the affairs of everyday life. Can you imagine a, a soldier over in Iraq calling home long distance? Honey, I just tomorrow's Thursday. It's trash day. I just wanted to make sure you remember to get the trash out. He's not over there thinking about that, is he? (laughs) He's not entangled in the affairs of everyday life. His mind is on his battle. His mind is on his task. Now, you know, you can carry this too far in the the analogy, and it's not that we're to be completely disconnected from the life that we live, but there's a sense of priority there. There's an understanding that, yeah, I'm in this job. I'm in this career path. Yes, I have these affairs that I must manage in my daily life, but my real priority is pleasing Jesus. I'm not bringing Jesus along my journey. These things are part of of what I do to, to function in this world, but Jesus Christ is my priority. I kind of think of I thought of it tonight. It's kind of like a, almost like, um, you know, some of these guys that are spies, and they send them over into the culture, 
and they get entrenched in the culture, they get regular jobs, they have, you know, they live amongst the people, but they have a whole nother agenda, don't they? They have their, that's just their cover. They're really there for some other task. And you'd never know it to meet with them. They just, wow, if they're good, you know, they mingle, they're pretty, but they have something going on. And that's kind of a covert way. The Christian life's different, of course, but that same idea, yeah, you know, I work in the world, I, I drive to work, I take my kids to school, my kids are on the soccer team, I'm involved, I coach, but I have a whole nother agenda. My real cause is Christ and pleasing Him. My real purpose is to bring Christ into this world that I live. Not, you know, well, Christianity is my Sunday job and Wednesday nights, and then I live the rest of my life. You know, this is my real life, the Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. And then, you know, whew, Sunday's here. I can be a Christian again. We shouldn't detach ourselves that way. And that's what Paul is saying here to Timothy. Timothy, as a soldier, 24-7, you are living for Christ wherever you are. Don't let the affairs of this world, don't let the entanglements of the world choke out God's fruitfulness. Of course, Jesus gave a parable about that, seed that would fall among the thorns. And he says in, uh, about those seeds, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the wor- word, and it becomes unfruitful. It's important that we remain uh, prioritized properly, that we would seek to please him who has enlisted us and not get caught up in the affairs of this life, even though we live in this world, we are not of this world. Our mind and heart is the Lord's, and it's set on something more eternal. The third thing that he gives tonight in verse 5 is that of an athlete. Verse 5, and also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You know, athletes are driven. Athletes are competitive. Athletes are disciplined. If you're going to compete athletically, you know this, even even at a, a non-professional level, there, there's a whole getting in shape. There's a whole, I've got a couple boys in football, and, you know, they get to put pads on and hit, and that's fun, but they don't let them put pads on until they've first had 10 hours of conditioning because, you know, it's you can get hurt. if you're The last thing they want is trying to hit one, and you're not, even in shape yet. So there's this whole regiment that you have to go through to be prepared to even get into pads and hit one another. And there's, there's even, you know, state laws that, that regulate that so that kids don't get injured. Athletes have to be disciplined. Athletes have to, have to make it a, a priority if they're going to be effective. And I think that certainly is, is true of the Christian life. You're going to have to be disciplined in your life. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, back to your left. It's not the only place that Paul talks about that of an athlete. He expounds on that a little bit more in 1 Corinthians 9, and verse, starting in verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. 
Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified. This analogy of the athlete is very fitting for the spiritual walk as well. In the same way that an athlete would discipline himself, focus himself, so we too as Christians need to be disciplined, we need to be focused. He also says that, in back to Second Timothy chapter 2, that he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now that's important. We don't serve the Lord on our terms. You don't compete in sports making up your own rules, right? I remember when we were kids, we would play with kids that changed the rules in the middle of the game. You know, oh, no, no, that, that doesn't count as a home run. Now that you hit it over the fence, we're changing the rules. You know, you, you played with, you know, probably game boards, you know, people that make up the rules as they go along. My kids complain that I do that, but (laughs) Paul says, look, when you compete, you have to compete according to the rules. And that's the idea as a Christian. God, God has uh, God. It's God's rules. It's God's kingdom. It's God's purpose. It's God's calling. You and I need to walk according to what he has called us to. We can't. Well, I don't I don't want to do that. It doesn't fit work for me. I'm going to I'm going to serve the Lord this way. Maybe if you've met people, I have. Well, I, you know, I serve the Lord in my own way. Well, you got half of it right. You're doing something your own way, but you're not serving the Lord. That's like saying, you know, I, I play basketball, uh, but I only use my feet, you know. Or I, we play soccer, but we use our hands. <laughs> well, the, you're not playing soccer. The, the very definition of the game has a certain set of rules, and this is the way you have to play in order to compete, in order to win. And Paul is saying that in the same way as we as Christians, we have to learn to function within God's prescribed order, what God has set aside, the church. You know, oh, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. No, that's true. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. But being a Christian does require fellowship with one another. And the Bible does say that we should not forsake coming together, right? People try to carve out Christianity with their own rules, and I'm going to live it in the way that works for me. And Paul is saying, you can't do that. And and remember, he's encouraging Timothy here. He's been trying to stir Timothy up. There's something going on in Timothy's life that's, that Paul needs to encourage, something that's lacking. He's not walking in the full power of the ministry that God's entrusted to him, and Paul is trying to stir that up. An athlete must compete by the rules. You and I must learn God's word and obey it and walk according to his commands if we're going to be successful as a Christian, if we're going to be faithful with what he's called us to do. Finally, in uh, verse 6, he gives us the analogy of a farmer. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Well, first of all, this farmer's hardworking. I don't know much about farming, um, so I can't really speak from experience. But I have been with people that um, have known a little bit about farming. I had my mom had an uncle 
my great uncle, I guess, and he had a cotton farm in Oklahoma. When I went back to school in Oklahoma, a couple times we would stopped in and took a look at the land, and he'd show us the prod, the gear that he used, and the equipment that he used, and talked a little bit about the farming. And farming's hard work. And I think that's part of what Paul is trying to say here about the Christian life. Sometimes it's going to be hard work. And there's an, one of the things about farming is you have to work if you want a harvest. You can have all the land you want. You can have all the water on it. But if you don't work the land, all you get is weeds. A farmer, if you want a harvest out of that land, you have to get out and work that land. And you have to do it at a certain time of the year. There's a season that it has to be planted. There's a season that it has to be harvested. So the farmer doesn't kind of relax and, well, I'll work hard today but or I'll work hard tomorrow. I don't feel like it today. No, you, you have to... What's that saying? Make hay while the sun's shining, right? You have to do the work while the, when the season allows for it. And so that's part of the Christian life too. You know what? Sometimes, it, sometimes it's easy to walk with the Lord, isn't it? It's so natural. It feels so comfortable. It's so wonderful. And then there's seasons when it just seems like it's all uphill. Oh, Lord, I pray. I don't feel like praying today. The word is, oh, I don't want to read right now. I prefer watching a little TV. and I just want to relax. Can't I just do it tomorrow? You know, and we have this flesh that rises up. Being spiritual sometimes requires pushing through that just as a farmer. Well, you know, if you don't get out and, and plant the ground now while, the time, while it's time to be planting, you won't have the harvest come fall and harvest time. So the, the farmer has to work hard. He has to work during his time of season. He also has to be patient, doesn't he? Farmers work a long time. They work all year long for what? For that window of harvest time. And that's the way it is in the Christian life too. I just wish that every time I prayed, the answer was immediate. Boom. Lord, help this. Boom. Like a genie, you know, in a bottle. And, you know, sometimes it seems like the Lord does do that. I've seen that, especially when you're young in the Lord. It seems like young Christians, it's like God God just rewards that young faith, you know. But then as he, as you get go along, he kind of tries to mature you and tries to grow your faith and teach you patience. And all of a sudden, man, this is getting harder. My prayers, Lord, you used to answer my prayers. Now I'm praying and I'm praying and nothing is happening. In fact, it's getting worse. And the farmer has to has to work the ground and he has to pray for rain and he has to wait and he has to, you know, wait for that harvest. And he, a lot of his work is done patiently, not knowing what the harvest will look like, not knowing for sure what this season will bring. And so is the Christian life. Sometimes we just labor and we do what we know God's called us to do because we know there is a harvest. We can't see it yet. We can't go out and pick the fruit yet but we continue to be faithful in what God's given us. And we work hard in the, in the work of the Lord. You know, ministry is that way. Ministry is a lot that way. You know, it, it, we're, we're trying to plant a work up here in the community of Monrovia. And all of you are part of that. And there's a labor, isn't there? It's, it'd be easier to go to a big church that just had everything in place, wouldn't it? Just float in. They got got it all there and you you know and but here you gotta you know it's there's not a lot of us around we kind of you have to talk to people and <laughs> you might even have to help out you know gee they need help i gotta 
Gee, I didn't come to cook hot dogs in the park. I'm carrying ice chests across. This is work, you know. And sometimes you roll your sleeves up and you get involved in the ministry. But that's that's what planning a, a, a new work is. We're just, you know, we haven't got the harvest yet. We don't know what God has for us here five years from now, do we? So we labor. And we enjoy the work that he's given us. And there's sweet fruit along the way. He encourages and he blesses and he sends the rain. And he lets you know that he's with you. And he'll fi- you'll find that even in your own walk with him. It's not that you're abandoned. It's not that you work, you know, completely unencouraged. But trust me, there are seasons when you just have to be faithful. And you have to wait. You have to wait on the Lord. And he'll bring, if you, uh, what's that verse I'm thinking of? Don't grow weary in well-doing, for you will reap in due season if you faint not. So the farmer is a good picture for us. These are different examples of the type of walk that serving the Lord requires. And these are the things that you and I must be um, involved in as well. And finally, he says, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Almost like Paul is saying, Timothy... Picture these things in your mind. Consider these four examples of, and, and, un, try, and pray. Ask the Lord to give you a sense of understanding of the different aspects of the Christian walk and what is required. That's all. We're, that's, we're going to close there tonight for our study. And I want to have um, Tyler, if you would come and get a little music ready for us.